If you can hear this message, listen closely. To the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down, this is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Good to see you guys here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Luke. I serve as one of the pastors here at Life Church. We are in the, uh, the third week of our series we're calling Different. Pastor Brian's done an awesome job with the first two, and today we're going to be going through First uh, Peter, the second chapter in, uh, in the, first, the book of First Peter. So if you have spent any amount of time uh, reading through First Peter, one thing you're going to notice pretty quickly throughout First and Second Peter is that Peter uses the word calling a lot. He says that over and over, and whenever calling is talked about or destiny or anything like that, uh, it really motivates people and excites people. It stirs people up. Everyone wants to know what, what's their calling, what's their friend's calling, or maybe even actually for some of you, it's actually something that upsets you a little bit because maybe you feel like you don't know what your calling is, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, either way, it's, a, it's something that gets a reaction out of all of us because calling is a serious thing. Uh, and regardless of where you're at, uh, the sense that you are made for a purpose is something that God has put inside of all of us. Um, we're all called to be set apart and different. We were made for something. Just like I was set apart, I was called to be captain of my flag football team in Highlands College. I know, it was, it was a great honor. Uh, I, I went to school down in Alabama, a place called Highlands College. It was Bible school. It was, it was ministry school, but it, classically it's called Bible school. But for some reason for us, uh, intramurals were a requirement. So we all had to play intramural sports, so of course I played football. And uh, one semester I was selected to be a captain. They'd always call a few of us to be captains. So we had to uh, draft a team and then compete for the championship. So... I drafted a team that I was pretty proud of and then promptly gave us the name The Sinners, um, which in Bible school was fun for a lot of people. We, uh, we always got a lot of questions like, so you guys are sinners saved by grace, right? We're like, nah, we're just sinners and we love it. Um, which was fun. But I, I, I just so you guys know... Um, well, also, I, I do remember, it was about halfway through the semester, and a, a staff member of the school came up to me. He's like, yeah, I don't know that we're so sure about making you a captain again. Um, something about me being way too competitive for Bible school, but whatever. Um, they ended up did, making me a captain again the next semester, so it couldn't have been that bad. But uh, the sinners made it all the way to the championship where we demolished the orange crush. We destroyed them. It was amazing. It was It was awesome. Uh, oh, guys, stop it. Stop. Guys, stop. But uh, I think I, for, for me, the most rewarding part of it all was that Highlands College, this Bible school, had to post on their social media after we won. The champions, the winners, were the sinners, and that felt pretty good to make them do that. But I was called, I was different, I was set apart to be captain of the sinners, and I want to show you today that you are called, uh, you are set apart to do something. As we go through uh, the book of First Peter here, uh, in the second chapter, one of the key verses is verse 5. It's a re- I really, there's a couple things, we're going to keep coming back to this, and I want you to uh, really pick up on a couple things. If we can go to verse 5 here, you are living stones 
that God is building, he is building these stones into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. When Peter, when Peter says priests here, what he, the church he was writing to knew exactly what he meant. They, when we think of priests, we think of like the Catholic church, like the guy speaking up in front of everybody. That's not what priests were to them. Priests actually for them were the equivalent to what we call our dream teamers. Here at Life Church, we have a lot of dream teamers that actually make our service go. They make our church go. They were the people that greeted you when you walked in. They handed you a bulletin. They served you coffee. Um, they were play, we were playing in the band. Um, these are the people that make our church go. We call them our dream teamers. And that's what the priests were. They were the ones on the inside of the church or the temple, really making everything go, making everything happen. Um, <clears throat> and I want to go back. So just so now we know what, what the priest's job was, I want to go back and really quick look at living stones and what that actually means. And this is, again, something that the, the church that Peter was writing to would have understood what that meant. Because when they, when they reference stones... They're always talking about the stones that actually built the physical temple. And it tells us here in 1 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 7, actually how the temple was built. And when we're referring to the stones, it tells us the stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry. So there was no sound of hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building site. So the quarry was where the stone was born. It's where it was formed. At the quarry, the, the stone was created so that when it got to the temple, it fit in perfectly. When it was at the temple, it didn't have to be manipulated, didn't have to be changed at all. At birth, it was formed in a way to fit in perfectly with all of the other stones that built the temple. I want to go back really quick and look at verse 5 again. I, I, want, to, I want to read it this way. So you guys, you are living stones formed at birth that God is building into his spiritual temple. And you are his holy priests, the ones serving in the temple. And of course, when Peter says temple, he means that's, that's what they called the church. And the church is a really big deal to Peter because Peter was actually called to lead the church. All, he was the leader of all churches. Uh, Jesus uh, told him, you are, Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. So he was really called to lead the church. The church was a big deal uh, to him. But before Peter was called to lead the church, he was called by Jesus to become a disciple. So this guy really knew what it meant to be called by Jesus. And Peter is telling us, in the same way that he was called by Jesus, you have also been called by Jesus. And if that's, if that's intimidating to you, if you feel a little unqualified for that, so did Peter. He was, he was out fishing on his boat. Peter was a fisherman, as I'm sure some of you know. Uh, and Jesus was walking along the shore, called out to him, and told him he wanted to become a, become a disciple of his. So Peter came onto the shore. He realized who Jesus was, fell to his knees. He said, away from me. I am a sinner. I'm not worthy of following you. But Jesus wasn't concerned with how he felt, how Peter felt about himself. Jesus called him to be different regardless. And uh, today we're going to unpack a little bit of what being different uh, looks like and really how uh, rewarding and fulfilling living a different life uh, can be. When it comes to living that different life and how fulfilling uh, it can be for, for me, I know I'm not a big, I'm not a huge feelings guy, but there are a couple feelings that God promises that you will experience when living differently, when living uh, in the calling that God has for your life. He promises two main experiences, uh, two main feelings we're going to feel throughout our walk with God. Those two things are joy and peace. 
you're going to experience it. I experience them on a daily basis as I walk with God. Um, so I, I, can tell you, I can tell you all about that. But those are the two things, joy and peace. One thing, though, one feeling, one promise that you're never actually going to find in the Bible, though, is the promise of comfort. The promise of comfort you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible. And really, there, there probably will come a day Maybe some of you, that's, that's today, but there maybe some of you, that there's going to be a day where you're going to get a little uncomfortable when following God. There's going to be a couple things that God might ask you to do that are going to stretch you a little bit. Because God has asked every one of us to do things that we're completely and utterly incapable of doing. The things God has asked you to do, you cannot do. But the good part of that is he's only asked you to do natural things. He's asked you to do natural things. And at the end of this this message, we're going to see really how natural and how practical the things he's asked us to do are. But he's asked us to do the natural, and he's going to do the supernatural. So a story that's going to kind of explain what I mean by that is a story out of the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. Um, There's actually a lot of parallels between 1 Peter and the book of Exodus, and we'll uh, get into a few of those in a minute. But uh, just to catch us up to where we are, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, Moses was called to lead the Israelites out of slavery. So the Israelites had been in slavery in the land of Egypt for a while, and God in his grace decided to free the Israelites from slavery. So he called Moses to lead these people out of slavery. <clears throat> they, they left Egypt. They came upon uh, the Red Sea, where the, uh, the Egyptians at this point are trying to recapture them and bring them back as slaves. So they're breathing down their necks right behind them, and they're pinned right in front of this ocean, essentially. Is the Red Sea an ocean? I don't even know. Regardless, um, they're in front of a lot of, a big body of water. And God tells Moses, he says, he says Moses, I, I want you to go up to the sea, lift your hands, raise your hands towards the sea, and I'm going to part the Red Sea. So Moses, of course, walks up to the Red Sea, raises his hands, and God parts the Red Sea. The, the Israelites walked through on dry land, and they were rescued. Moses was called to lead the Israelites out of slavery. A part of his calling was splitting that Red Sea. That's something that none of us can do, but God only asked him to do what's natural. He said to Moses, raise your hands towards the sea, and I will part it. Can you do this? If you can do this, you could potentially fill God's call on your, fill God's call on your life. What Moses did was very natural. What he did was uncomplicated. But he did his part, and God did the rest. God, Moses did the natural, and God did the supernatural. And you're not going to convince me that what Moses had to do didn't make him a little uncomfortable, at least, at least a little bit. Because again, the Egyptians are breathing down their necks, they're right behind them, and all the Israelites are counting on him. They're looking to him like Moses. They're right behind us. How are we going to get out of here? So Moses promptly walks up to the water. He just had to cross his fingers that God was going to come through for him right now. Because if he didn't, he was going to look like an idiot. He just walks up, raises his hands towards the sea. They're all behind him. Hey, Moses, what you you doing there? The Egyptians are right behind us. What you doing? Silence. I'm splitting the ocean in half. Just... He could have looked like an idiot. He had to cross his fingers and really hope that God was going to come through for him. And of course he did, but he, he couldn't have been sure of that before he did his part and took care of the natural by simply raising his hands. 
there was and always will be a little bit of risk when following God's calling. We have, um, a lot, again, we have a lot of our dream teamers. I can see you guys. I know we have a lot of our dream teamers in the room. And again, these are the people that are serving you and making this service go. Um, and for you guys, I, I know it might be hard to bridge the gap from the natural to the supernatural. It's, it, it's very easy to think, I'm just, I'm holding the baby. There's nothing supernatural about this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm passing out bulletins. I'm handing bulletins to people as they walk into the service. There's nothing supernatural about this. You could be, you know, back on the soundboard, hitting, muting different mics and turning different faders up, and you're sitting back there. If Luke goes for too long, he's the next one to mute or whatever. <laughs> but whatever you're doing, it can, it can become monotonous, and you can forget the supernatural things that God's doing behind the scenes while you're just stuck in your natural role. For me, I, I have the opportunity to play drums in the band here, and it's a lot of fun. I love it. But it's very easy for me sometimes to just get stuck in the monotonous task of just playing drums because I enjoy it, so I'll just get fixated on what I'm doing. It's very easy to forget the supernatural things that God's actually doing through me, especially since I'm actually not a drummer. Uh, I don't know if I've got any of you guys fooled, but I've actually never learned drums like at all. I, it's, it's actually a really funny story of how I became a drummer. I was playing, it was like four and a half years ago, something like that, I was 18, um, and I'd been playing guitar in the band for a couple of years, um, and all at once, it was the weirdest way it happened, but all at once we lost all of our drummers. Two of them moved suddenly, and one of them got in a snowmobiling accident, which he's fine now, but uh, he couldn't play drums for a while. So we, we were down to zero drummers just like that. And it just so happens that like five or six days prior to us finding out about all of this, uh, I had gotten myself a drum kit. I didn't play drums. I had gotten a drum kit. Uh, and so Pastor Tom has been leading the band here for a while. He came up to me. He goes, hey, Luke, um, you play drums, don't you? I go, no, I do not play drums. There is currently a drum set sitting at the same address in which I live, but I do not play the drums. Um, he goes, oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 no, you play drums. See you Thursday at five o'clock. Uh, and that's the story of how I became a drummer. Uh, it was a lot of fun. That first couple of weeks was awesome. It uh, really, me learning drums was a series of sitting back there. I'm like, I hope this is a good time to hit that one. <laughs> but, uh, so, hey, I don't know if you guys like it, but I have fun back there, so... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. But submitting to God's call on your life always has a little bit of risk because you don't know what's on the other side. It's, it's one thing to believe in calling or destiny or whatever you want to call it, but it's another thing to actually take the step of faith and submit to God's plan for your life and step out and be different. There's a verse in Acts I want to take a quick look at, which kind of explains what I'm talking about here. Um, I'll, I'll just pull it up, Acts 16, verse 31. This is a pretty common way that this verse is translated. Again, we, our Bible is translated from the Greek. So this is a pretty common way that this is translated, mostly because it's the most colloquial way to say this. It's, it's the way we understand it in our English terms. So it just says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Very powerful, amazing popular verse, but actually literally translated what that, what that word actually means, that word in actually translate. This is, I want to show you a translation out of the Berean literal translation. It actually literally means believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
Believing in something and believing on something can be two very different things some of the time. There, uh, there was a, a tightrope walker, a very famous tightrope walker in the 1860s, I think it was. His name was Charles Blondin. I'm sure a few, guys, a few of you guys have heard of him. I'm sure some of you have even heard the story I'm about to tell you. He uh, was very well known for his walks across the Niagara Falls. He'd, he'd stretch out a tightrope and walk across one of his more famous routines, which to me is insane, but he would uh, take an oven, like an oven, put a wheel on the bottom of it, one wheel, and then just wheel it to the middle of the Niagara Falls, cook an omelet, and then take it back, which is unbelievable to me. Uh, but he had, he had a lot of different things he would do. He had a wheelbarrow that he would just put various items in, like sack of potatoes, bricks, or whatever, and just carry them and then bring them back. Um, so he was amazing. Every time he did this kind of stuff, he drew a huge crowd. People came from all over to see him. So one day, he went out to Niagara Falls, did his thing, and He's starting to do his stuff. He, he went, he's gone back and forth a couple times. At this point, he's got his wheelbarrow. So he's, he brings whatever, some bricks, um, back to the people in a wheelbarrow. And they're all cheering. They're clapping because he's amazing. After this, after, when they stop clapping, Charles Blondin, he, he says to the crowd, he actually points out one guy. He says, you, sir, do you think I can do that again? And he goes, yeah, you've done it like eight times today. Of course I can. Of course you can. He goes, are you sure? You're really sure? Yes, you're positive. You really think I can do that again? You're what, without a doubt. He goes, you're, you're Charles Blondin. Of course you can do it. He goes, okay. Then hop in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't, for me, heights is like at the top of my list of fears. That and women. <laughs> uh... Anyway, <laughs> but end of the story, he wouldn't get in. He would not hop on the wheelbarrow. Um, and really, I think that could explain a lot to us. It's one thing to believe in a guy or in something. It's another thing to actually believe on it. It's one thing to believe that the whole Christianity thing is good and believe in generic terms like calling and destiny. It's another thing entirely to actually hop on yourself. I want to look. I want to keep going in uh, in the book of First uh, Peter here in the second chapter. I want to look at verse nine, and this really is my main point. If you get nothing else out of today, this is what I really hope that you will you'll get out of this here in verse nine. There's a couple things I really want you to catch here. For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. I really want you to catch this. I'm just going to read it one more time. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. I'm going to go back real quick um, and look at uh, Moses, where the, where the Israelites are. They have, uh, they've just escaped through the Red Sea. They just saw God do something miraculous. Um, and then the next place we see them, um, God's brought them to Mount Sinai. But what's going on, I don't want to read the entire book to you, but what's going on is after they saw that, God is, they're so excited because they've just been freed from slavery. They just saw God part a sea. Um, and so they're just so excited. They've, they've come together um, like they'd never have before. The Israelites, are, they're serving God. They're serving each other like they've never done before. And then God, God brings them to Mount Sinai. And here at Mount Sinai, once they really came together in a way that they had never done before, God came down, his glory came down onto them or onto Mount Sinai in a way that they had never seen before. 
It actually, God's glory came with such power that Mount Sinai trembled underneath him, and God had to tell Moses, don't look into the glory, because if you do, it'll kill you. So the Israelites had never seen anything like this before. And right when all this is going on, God tells the Israelites something. I, w- I want to see if you recognize this. This is, what, this is what he tells them. If we can go to that next verse there. Out of all of the nations, you will be my special possession. You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I will make you my people and I will be your God. The exact same descriptors that are used here in Exodus, Peter used when he's talking to the church. So what that means to us, what God was doing, when God, by his grace, brought the Israelites out of slavery, he told them, I don't want to talk to you just as individuals. I want you to be a community. I want you to make a covenant and vows, a covenant to serve me, serve each other in a, in a community. And when they did that, that was when God came down like they had, the Israelites had never seen before, came with more power than when he split the Red Sea. That's when he came down. And Peter has the audacity to use those exact same descriptors when talking to the church. So he's telling that if, if, if you've been saved by God's grace and you're willing to covenant together to be built together, and again, built is a, is a big part of this, like he said in verse 5, build the spiritual temple together. Yes, you, uh, you believe in Jesus, and that's great. But like living stones, you are built together and enter into a covenant community where you serve God and serve each other. So what God is showing us here is that the glory of God, in the same way it came down onto Mount Sinai, made the mountain tremble, and if you looked at it, you would have died. That same glory that came down in that way, what God is trying to show us here is that exact same glory is available to you in the church in a way it is not elsewhere available to you. And I, and I know you might say, well, isn't, doesn't God live inside of us? Yes, But in the way he came down at Mount Sinai, that same glory and power is available to you in the church in a way that it is not available to you elsewhere. And here at Life Church, this is a reality that we've been aware of for a little while, and we've created what we think is a pretty simple um, path to what... to what making what we're talking about really accessible to all of us. Because... What God said, again, what First Peter says is build his temple together. And I just want to clarify what he's saying here, and this is going to come across potentially as condescending, and I really want you to hear it in my voice. I don't mean it that way. I just want to clarify what God's showing us here. God said build his spiritual temple. He never said attend his spiritual temple. Now, please don't get offended at that, because I, I'm, I'm not trying to guilt you into, into doing anything here. If you're if you're new to Life Church, if you're new to, to Christianity, or you're not even a Christian, you're just checking this whole thing out, you're not sure about it, continue to do what you're doing. Don't feel no pressure to engage in any way. Don't engage, don't give money. Just You're the reason we're here, so just continue to do what you're doing. I don't want you to feel any unnecessary pressure, but I do want to make it clear what God's telling us here, is that that glory is available to you when building, when active and engaged in building God's church. And attending isn't necessarily building. 
But it's, it's just it's important that we understand kind of the difference there that God wants us to be building the church. And like I said, we've implemented what we believe is a pretty simple and accessible journey uh, for you guys to, to really access exactly what we're talking about here. Um, and, we, and you've heard about this every single week. Uh, if you've been coming here for a while, we, we tell you every single week in Life Church News, we call it, in which Sarah does an amazing job with that. Um, We've told you about it every week. We told you about it today, and we're going to keep telling you about it until Jesus comes back, and that's our grow classes. Our grow classes take place the first two weeks, uh, the first two Sundays of every month at 1030, and that is really our way of getting you involved and engaged and, and, and active in building God's church. Am I just, is I seeing things or things freaking out around me? Sorry, kind of threw me off. But, but I, I want you to hear me when I say this. This is not a pitch to get more of you on the team. We would. I mean, I would love to have more of you on the team. Genuinely, we would be better with all of you on the team. That's not why I'm standing up here. I'm here because I've experienced myself, and we have, as a church have experienced how being active and engaged and actually building God's church, being a part of that, really changes your life and really gives you access to God's glory and God's power in, in ways that it's not elsewhere accessible. And I will be the first guy to tell you how awesome this church is. Really, I, I will be the first guy to brag on this church and tell you how amazing this is. Uh, our services, I think, are awesome. The worship is awesome. That drummer kind of sucks, but I think the worship is awesome. The messages are usually okay, um, but just I, I get to see firsthand what this church does uh, in the community around here, and what it does throughout the state. Um, and so I, I just, I would be the first guy to brag on this church, but I just want, I just hope you believe me when I say this isn't just one long pitch to get more helpers on the team. This, we truly believe, uh, we, we offer the growth track, or not, the, we offer our grow classes um, so that you can have that opportunity not to just recruit more people for the team. And really, if you are a fan of practical messages, then you're going to be a fan of today because your action step, if you want to call it that, is very simple. When you walked into our service, you got what we call our bulletin. On the inside of that bulletin is your connection card. On the back of that card is where you can check a box to say, I'm going to be at Grow next month. Now, if if you can't be at next month's grow, go to the next month. If you can never make it here for some reason at 1030, if you have to get out of here right after church every week and you can never be here for that class, let us know. We will make something work. Uh, we're, we're too desperate to give you that opportunity to really experience building God's church. Um, so if that's something that you can never make happen, let us know. We will get you through that growth track uh, no matter what it takes because really this is just an overflow of us as a church experiencing firsthand, me experiencing firsthand. I've, I've been saved for four years now, um, and throughout the four years, I've just gotten deeper and deeper into God's church, and that um, has brought me more satisfaction than I could even start to explain, so I won't try, but really, it's as simple as checking a box, and, and you can make that unbelievably monotonous by literally just checking a box and say, well, I did it, and now I'm going to start living in God's calling, I guess. But I'm hoping that you'll actually see for what it is and really just engage in building God's church and just really seek after what we're talking about and just experiencing God's glory and experiencing God's power in a way that you never have before. 
I want us to um, look really, really quick at one more verse. We've talked about purpose and calling a little bit, but this verse actually gets a little bit deeper into the theology of calling um, and actually how we're called and how that actually works. It's found in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Um, the way this is worded is very cool. I'm going to show it to you, but I chose you. This is God talking to all of us. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. So you were chosen before you were formed. Before you were even conceived, God chose you. So what didn't happen is you were born, little Susie showed up, and God said, oh, all right, what am I going to do with her? Um, You'll be an accountant. Hope it doesn't suck. All right. (laughs) That's not how God works. It's the reverse. It's there's something he needs done. There's a job to do. There's a task to be done. And he created you accordingly based on what he wanted accomplished in this life, which is why the topic of calling and destiny and purpose is so polarizing to us. Because at our core, we were created with a purpose before we were created. Before anything else, we're beings with a purpose, and we were given that purpose by God. So again, you have a purpose, it was given to you by God, and you are put on this earth for something that God has planned for you. And really, when you're not living in that calling, when you're not living in the purpose God has for you, that is at the root of all frustration, and even more than that, insecurity. I simply put, the reason for insecurity is when you put your security in things that are insecure. Pretty complicated, I know. But only one person knows what you're on this earth for. And when you put your security in anything else, those things are, as, as awesome as they might be, they're not as secure as God, and they're not as secure as what God has for you. So when, when, when I've experienced life in and out of my purpose, and all I can tell you is that when I've lived in my purpose, in my calling, insecurity and frustration has never followed me there. And more, more than anything, insecurity, just insecurity has never followed me in my purpose. When I, when I stray from that, yeah, I'll get insecure as heck. But when I'm in there, that's, that's, insecurity is not something that can follow me there. And God is the only one that can reveal to me. He's the only one that can reveal to you your calling. He's the one who created you. He's the one who knows what he created you for. And it starts in his church. It starts in the spiritual temple that he's building. You are the living stone that he created who formed you so that when you got to the church, you didn't have to be manipulated or chiseled down. There was already a natural, perfect fit for you right in the church. And I don't want you to take this in the context of I'm telling you, you need to all work at the church. That's all your main calling. I'm one of a, just a few people that God has called to vocational ministry to, to work in the church full time. But God, if God has called you to be an accountant, be the best accountant ever. If God's called you to be whatever, be the best whatever ever. But I'm telling you that the church is a part of your calling. God has called all of us to fit somewhere in the church. And until you can find where God is trying to fit you into his spiritual temple, you're going to feel that insecurity. You're going to feel that frustration until you can really start to invest in building God's church. But again, 
speaking to the people in here who are already on the dream team, you can do a task without really living in your calling. You can even perform your calling without actually making the difference that we've, that we've talked about. You can, you can just get caught up and bogged down into the monotonous side of your role or you can actually see what God is doing and believe that there are supernatural things going on as you take care of your part in the natural. God wants to use you to build his church and without you, you cannot experience your full calling. Without, without the, you involved in the church, you cannot experience the full calling that God has in your life. So I want to ask you, what has God called you to? I promise if you knew what God's called you to, you'd get a little uncomfortable. You might get a little nervous. You might get a little anxious at what God has called you to. Because again, he's, he's called you to things that you cannot do. But the good news is, if you can do this, if you can raise your hands, God can part a sea. He's only ever asked you to do natural things and he's gonna take care of the natural. Our role is small, but it's the only variable. God is not gonna just transcend us. He's chosen to use us to do his will in this world. He needs a Moses to part the Red Sea. That's the way he's chosen to done it. He needs a lifted hand in order to part the Red Sea. He needs you to take a small step towards your calling, take care of the natural, do your part, and God's going to take care of the supernatural and do what's really the difficult side of things. So again, the little boxes on the back of your connection card, if you haven't gone through that, I would really, really encourage you to take that opportunity to go through Grow, find out what we're all about as a church, what we do, how we, how we function, and you can find your spot on the team. You can become one of our dream teamers and really start to experience God's calling in your life in a way that you have never experienced before. Can we go ahead and pray? Just bow our head and close our eyes. God, I just thank you that you've created us with a purpose. You've created me with a purpose. That in this life, I'm supposed to do something. I'm supposed to accomplish something. And the only way I'm going to know what that purpose is, what my calling is, is just to seek after you, continue. Just seek after your church and do my part in the natural. And you're going to continue just to do supernatural things through me. If you're in here and you feel like you've been in that spot of frustration, you've been in that spot of insecurity where you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, you don't know where you, where you fit in this world, no one's looking around, but if that's you, would you just do me a favor and just slip up your hand real quick? Some of you guys can go ahead and put your hands down. If you, if you raised your hand or or if you feel like you should have raised your hand just now, I want to I wanna say a prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. If you would, just, just in your mind or under your breath, just repeat it. Just say, God, thank you for calling me to something. I pray that you would show me what your calling is on my life. 
whatever it is you would have me do in this world, I, I pray that you would start to reveal this to me and I pray that you would give me the strength to step outside of my comfort zone and invest and engage in your church in a way that I haven't done before. God, I just want to pray for every person in here. Whether they're already on the dream team or they are not yet on the dream team, that you would just do something in them that they did not know, that they did not know you could or would do. Just do a work in the lives of everybody under the sound of my voice, God, that only you can do. So God, I thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and all you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen.